Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about the business of real life. If you're a working mom or a mompreneur, this is where you want to be. This is where we share tips right off Elaine's Kitchen Table about business and parenting. Being a mom of three and wearing multiple hats, from CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisies Limited to speaker and educator, Elaine knows how valuable your time is, so this podcast is going to be short and sweet. Whether you're tuning in while driving to a meeting, washing dishes, or sitting in the school parking lot waiting to pick up the kids, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated to be that successful person you're capable of being and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. I'm so excited to have you here with us today where we talk about the business of real life. And I'm very honored to have our guest with us today. Our guest today is a friend and a guest that I've had on the show before. Our guest today believes today's entrepreneurs are the most innovative in Canada's history and that their potential for success knows no bounds. As the manager of business development at True Shield Insurance, he understands entrepreneurs and the risks that startups face. And I'm so excited and honored to have Mike Gabba with us today. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Elaine. How are you doing? I am good. I am good. <laughs> I'm so sorry we had a little bit of technical issues earlier, but you're doing well? Uh, yeah, so far so good. I'm just getting over a cold, but uh, feeling good. I'm back in the swing of things and hopefully back in a routine very, very shortly. No, excellent. Excellent. I, I'm sorry to hear. I think you had mentioned to me that your whole family was sick. That is never, never fun. Unfortunately, uh, every, everyone had it, but uh, everyone's on the mend. So uh, we've been through the worst. Now we're just getting back. And you know what the good news is? We'll probably be perfect for Christmas. So like, we're kind of getting it out of our system right now. I'm just looking forward to us all being healthy at Christmas. That's, that's, uh, that's the silver lining. Right? We got it now. We'll be okay then. Yeah, yeah, hoping, I, I, I agree. That's, a, that's, that's the way to do it. Be healthy for <laughs> Christmas. Mike, yeah. can you remind us how old your children are? So my oldest is three and a half. My uh, um, his his name is uh, Gray. My middle daughter, um, her name is Liv, and she's one and a half. And then my youngest son is Rye, and he's about two and a half months right now. Oh my, <laughs> super parents! That's a busy household. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make this short and sweet because I know our listeners are also uh, busy people. But you are an expert at all things insurance, especially with small business. And I, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think are the top three smart ways to protect your business in the categories of one, home-based, number two, product-based, and number three, service-based? So let's start with home-based. What are three smart ways that you can like just fire off at the top of your head are ways to protect your home-based business? Well, um, I think first and foremost, um, you need to you need to really look at your home-based business as a business. Um, it's not a hobby. It's not something you can do on the side. If it's a business, then it needs to be treated as, as such. And for taxes, you separate everything. And so um, for insurance, from an insurance perspective, um, things need to be insured properly. Um, there's, a, there's too many people that have the misconception that their house insurance is automatically going to cover their business um, because they have insurance on their home. And it's really not the case. House insurance isn't designed. Um, to pick up those business exposures. So um, I would say, A, understanding that you're running a business, 
uh, B, uh, separating everything, you know, house and business, and uh, getting everything insured properly. Um, and sorry, what, and the third would be um, having a low exposure to risk and thinking that um, there's no chance of being sued or anything going really wrong. Um, that's a big misconception. Uh, even the lowest exposure businesses, even selling water bottles, there have been massive lawsuits um, from things going sideways. So um, I would say those would be the three ways that I would say if you um, had to protect your business, your home-based business, that's where I would start. Perfect. And then how about product-based business? Um, product-based uh, businesses, um, they fall into a couple categories. Um, so you'll have um, some products that people rely on for their own businesses um, to earn an income. And so if your product or if your product um, is something where people, they purchase and then they make money from it, like let's say you're a wholesaler, you're supplying retailers, um, then what you have to consider is um, if something goes wrong in your business, that it's gonna affect somebody else's business. So from a product-based um, business, you're gonna have to look at um, are people relying on my product? Because if that's the case and something goes wrong, um, I'm going to get sued for their lost income if I don't deliver my product, or it's a possibility at least. So what you have to do is um, look at protecting yourself from that standpoint, from a liability policy. Um, if you have a physical product um, and it doesn't necessarily help people make money, but uh, there is um, the possibility of um, it harming somebody, um, you have to consider uh, what would be the worst case scenario if your product actually did harm? Like if somebody ate your product and it wasn't meant to be eaten or, you know, a child consumed it or you have two different products. You know, one is a, a tennis ball and the other one is, a, is you know, a, a pointy object. You know, you have to understand that each product is going to have its own, its own exposure. So you have to figure out what the worst case scenario is for that. And that's where I would keep it for product-based businesses. No, thank you so much. And what would you say would be the recommended coverage then for uh, like a product-based business um, and liability? Well, the yeah, so uh, on the product-based business, um, what you're going to have is likely you'll have some sort of stock or inventory at either your house or a third-party location. So um, for product-based business, um, you're going to want to have that insured in case let's say there's a fire and again the house insurance doesn't pick up that loss um, you, you could be on the hook for that money to replace that inventory um, especially if it's at a third-party warehouse where there's neighbors and you don't really know what they're doing and they might burn the place down so uh, you want to make sure your product is insured and then from a liability standpoint just making sure that your your policy is at an adequate limit so i recommend for businesses uh, nowadays to start looking at 5 million liability um, as a starting point and then just really really make sure that your insurance policy encompasses where your products are going so it's going to go into the territories like United States or other and uh, it, it's going to insure the products that you're selling so I mean it might insure you into the United States but if you're selling dynamite um, you know and your policy isn't meant to cover that there's going to be a problem there's going to be a lack of coverage so it's making sure that your insurance um, covers not only the product, um, but where it's going to. Oh, that's a very good point. Like, I think most people forget that you have to cover where it's going to as well and not just sitting in your warehouse. That's perfect. And service-based business, your three smart ways to protect a service-based business. So we're talking about so, people who, whose product is their service. So service um, is so common these days. 
Um, it seems like there's a lot of people involved in coaching, and I'm an advocate of coaching. I've had mentorship throughout uh, my adult life, and I've been very thankful for some informal, some some formal. Um, so with con- with consultants, um, there is um, a lot of consultants, uh, and, and I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush, but uh, the misconception where, well, the advice I'm giving is based on other people's advice, or I'm reading out of these several books, and I'm referencing them, and I'm not actually telling people what to do. Um, but there is a possibility of somebody um, involved in a coaching session or a consulting session, even if it's in a group setting, where perhaps they take something that you said, they're not really paying attention, but they hear you say, you know what, you really need to be honest with your boss and tell them what you really think, not really catching the whole picture. They go to work the next morning, they tell them what they think, and then they get fired. And so... Um, that person goes back and says, well, you know what, the advice you gave me to tell my boss and so on and so forth. Even even though the person hadn't done anything wrong, the consultant had laid out what you need to do, there's still the possibility of somebody coming back and looking for uh, retribution um, or, uh, you know, getting their life back on track based on what they misinterpreted or even the possibility of a lawsuit. So um, an errors and emissions policy is going to be what a consultant needs. Um, in order to protect them from somebody coming back and saying that their advice was no good. Thank you. I can't write down as fast as you speak. <laughs> no, that's that's great. Thank you. And uh, is there another smart way that a service-based business can protect themselves? I, I know you're yeah. the errors and emissions. So the errors and emissions is, is really going to be a large portion of service-based businesses um, because um, many service-based businesses, it's really just their expertise that they're That's relying right. on. So they're, so, so they're not churning out you know, jackets or anything like that or anything material. It's, it's really just the words um, that are coming out of their mouth and maybe they're making things, you know, uh, um, they're making modeling on, on computers and that. Um, but let's take a photographer, for example. <clears throat> Let's say they're a wedding photographer and they're hired to do a wedding and they go home after the wedding, long day, they plug in their card and their card is corrupted or they can't recover the pictures. Well, that's a big problem. Yes. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah. there would be a big problem a there. Nightmare. Yeah, that would be, that would, that would be a nightmare um, for the people who hired them. Right now they have, they have the potential of having no pictures or very limited pictures if they could recover any. And so, again, um, a photographer, um, you know, the property coverage might only be ten or 20000 for their cameras or their lenses, but the real exposure is going to be, okay, now this family who's paid $50,000 for their wedding has no has no quality pictures, and so and so what then? And, and uh, anyways... Um, a lot of entrepreneurs and startups um, who are in consulting or photography, they're in it because they love it and they want to be able to um, offer a service and make the world a better place um, with, 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 with their talents. And so um, when you're looking at starting a business and making the world a better place, it's important to have that type of coverage so that if you cause harm or your advice gets misconstrued or your card is corrupted no matter how good of a photographer you are that you're protecting your clients with your coverage because they're going to have somewhere to go to so if you look at it from that perspective you're, you're not just protecting yourself you're protecting your clients no that's that's a great way to view that and what would you suggest would be the minimum minimum liability coverage for a service-based business then well um that really depends on on what they're doing so um, if, if it's an interior designer, um, 
you'll you'll want to look at what's the max project that you're doing and um, look at getting at least the cost to absolutely rip out and redo a project. If you're looking at a photographer who's taking pictures, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's a tough it's a tough question, um, and it really depends on each industry. Um, but I, you know, it's it's a tough one, and I I, I would I would hesitate to throw a number out there. Um, to be honest with you, no, that's actually okay. talking with no, somebody that's... and. Yeah. That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. I, I just wanted to ask, what is, now I see that sometimes businesses don't realize that they can be covered for business interruption. What is the definition of business interruption? So that's, that's a fantastic question. And business interruption, <clears throat> um, how I would break it down would be there's two areas. Um, so there would be business, actual business interruption and then extra expense coverage. And there are two different coverages, but, and they work very differently. Um, but it's important to know the difference because some businesses will have both or they'll only have one. It might be the wrong one. And if they have the wrong one, it's not going to help them at all. So um, business interruption would be, and this is generally speaking, but business interruption covers, um, say, a Tim Hortons where they have people coming onto their premises every day and they're making a profit from people stopping in at their premises. Um, so um, a home-based business who doesn't have people coming to their property, who's maybe shipping things, um, they might not necessarily need a standard type of business interruption coverage like that. What they might want to consider would be called extra expense coverage, where if they're running a home-based business and they have a loss and they can't use their office at home anymore, the extra expense coverage is going to allow them to um, rent a new space. It's going to pay all the additional costs and get them set up at a new space while their house is being rebuilt for that, you know, six months or a year or whatever time frame it takes to get their office back on track. So um, there's the standardized business interruption coverage, like I said, where people are, are going to be claiming on it because their premises doesn't work anymore. And then there's going to be the extra expense coverage, which is just going to basically allow you to set up your home office somewhere else if you don't have, if, that, if that's really your need. And so, um, like I said, if you have one and it's the wrong one, it might not help you as, as, uh, as it should. No, thank you. That is excellent clarification. I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> and in our, in our last two minutes, Mike, together, because I, I know that you're incredibly busy today, and I love all the advice that you're giving us. Really quick, a lightning round of rapid-fire questions. And there's only five, and we have two minutes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's <laughs> okay. have it. Okay. All right, here we go. Mike, a book that uh, you recommend because you're reading it right now. What is it? Um, the book I'm reading right now is, I would, I would consider it phenomenal. It's life-changing. It's, uh, it's actually Wayne Dyer's I Can See Clearly Now. Um, I know we only have a couple minutes, but just to be brief, um, he's written, I don't know how many books he's written over the course of his lifetime. But this is the last book before he passed away only a few months ago. And it really is a summary of his entire life um, and about how there were no accidents and there were no coincidences. And so I, I definitely recommend this book to anybody. Thank you. I can see clearly now. Okay. Uh, favorite way to unwind or de-stress? My favorite way would be uh, just spending time with my kids where we don't have a schedule and we can just kind of sit in the playroom and then just be together. That's my Love favorite. it. Love it. Your favorite time of day and why? I like the morning because of all the potential that there could be throughout the day. I think it's, it's my favorite time of day. I like that. Potential is always a good thing. A good way to view the day. And the next one, actor to play your life. 
Who would that actor be? To, <laughs> actor to play my life. Um, I can't think of a, a, an actor necessarily that fits my personality, but some one person that's always been told, uh, I've been told that I look like or he looks like me, it would be Tobey Maguire out of, uh, from Spider-Man. <laughs> that is awesome. I think always choose a superhero, I think. <laughs> uh, that's true. And the last one, a word of advice that you would tell the 18-year-old version of yourself. Um, well, this is definitely influenced from Wayne Dyer's, I can see clearly now, but uh, it would be um, not to take any one thing in life too seriously. Um, just look for trends in my life and really trust that everything will work out. And what's actually interesting is this is kind of like how I've always lived my life. And so I feel like maybe I, I had the opportunity at one point in time to go back in time and tell me this. But, uh, but really just, just trust that everything will work out and just, uh, just follow your heart. I, I think that's a, a great closure to, to start the morning with uh, viewing the potential that day holds and then to trust that it all works out. You can't go wrong, but have a great day. Mike, you are awesome, and it's always so great to have you on our show. And so thank you. And um, I want to say thank you for being on our show. Well, thanks, Elaine, for uh, having us. Uh, we always love coming on the show. Uh, you're a fantastic host, and uh, we always appreciate the opportunity. So hopefully we'll have a chance to come on again soon. And uh, thanks again. I, I love that. And I will have uh, how to contact you, Mike, on my show notes as well as your website. And just thank you. And thank you to our listeners. We always love hearing from you. So please do find me on Twitter at Chat with Elaine or on Facebook at Elaine's Kitchen Table. And have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye for now.